pause with me for a moment. I'd like to bring our attention to the text, Psalm chapter 24 this morning. God has a grand design of deliverance. And uh, if we just take a careful look in Scripture, we'll find this thread of salvation that isn't coincidental, but it's ordained, it's planned. Aren't you grateful that, that God is working for us? that God is on our side this morning. Psalm 24 is one of the four psalms to commemorate the return of the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. There's Psalms 132, Psalm 68, Psalm 87, and also Psalm 24, and we're turning to that. you got to imagine with me the determination of King David to do it right this time. They've already attempted to bring the Ark back, and it's cost the life of one individual. It's already been brought back with the wrong method the cart had to be abandoned but David saw that the blessing of God was resting and he desired to bring the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem and so David does it right this time he's organized and planned and strategized and he's got sacrifices prepared he has his people ready the ark is born on the shoulders of the priesthood and as they're carrying the ark back to Jerusalem every six steps he stops, he pauses, and he sacrifices a bull and a fatted calf. And David dances before the Lord, the Bible said, with all of his might. With shouts and sounds of trumpets. You know, I, I, I'll echo Pastor in this comment as well. Thank you to our teams for working so diligently with us. And, and it's odd when anyone ever tried living in, your, in someone else's house for a little while? That's kind of like what it's like when we come out of the main sanctuary and we've got all this room and we pull into the chapel and we're in here together and it's tight quarters and people are trying to adjust and people are trying to make adjustments. And But if you'll just look past whatever could be out of order to the order of what was done this morning, the Bible said that David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might with shouts and sounds of trumpets, a cacophony, a noise a celebration, a rejoicing. And as the ark of the Lord was entering into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. She saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And the Bible says she despised him in her heart. It was, you know, David, I'm sure that when he started, he was a little concerned about how the outcome was going to be. But as he closed in on the city, the power and the presence of God surrounding them. I don't have any doubt that worship was so wholehearted. It was so exuberant. It was so celebratory that the observer said, that's out of order. But David said, you don't understand what we just came through. You don't understand the God that we're celebrating. You, don't, you may not understand where we've come from to get here. Anybody... Can you just kind of echo David this morning and say, you don't know what I've been through to get to this place this morning. I heard one singer say it like this. I'm glad I don't look like what I've been through. Tell your neighbor, I'm glad I look like what I don't, I don't look like what I've been through. I don't look like that. I, I look pretty good considering because God was on my side. I look, we look all right this morning. You look pretty good today. I'm telling you, you, you look marvelous. From this, I get to see you all. From this vantage point, you're all looking fine today. You look marvelous. You look wonderful. Masks and all. 
You don't look like what you've been through, but if you pause for a moment and remind yourself of what God's brought you through, you say, that's why we worship the way that we do. That's why we celebrate the way that we have this morning. That's why we come with rejoicing in our spirit today. The Spirit of the Lord moves upon David. The Lord's moving in this room this morning, and I'll read a portion of text, and then we'll turn to the word of the Lord. The earth is the Lord, the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Verse 3, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face. Anybody come to seek his face this morning? Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. If there's any desire that we would have in this place this morning, it's for his presence to move in this room that the manifest glory of God that king of glory would feel at home in this place today. The only way I know to do that, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. So the only way that I know how to make him feel welcome is just to pause for a moment and to lift our hands and to lift our voices and tell God how much we love him this morning. Come on, lift up your heads. If gates, ye gates and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in. God, that's your word and it's your promise. If we prepare a place for you, you promise that you would come among your people this morning. We welcome you with our worship. God, we welcome you with our praise today. Have your way. Let your great work be accomplished as your word goes forth. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. I think if we paused and thought about, we don't, we don't have enough time to start unpacking galaxies and, and start unpacking all of the, all of the stars and the, the, all of the things that are in the sky that we could see with the naked eye or things that we could see beyond with telescopes. We, we can't see it all, but we do know this one thing, that God looks through it all and he finds this one little blue and white planet that we call planet Earth. And God puts his sight on it. But not only that, God places his love upon that planet. He picks out that one galaxy, the Milky Way. He picked out the one star that we call the sun. And then he picked out this single little lonely planet that we all are a part of. And God called it his. He said, that is mine. The earth, God spoke through his own word to us today and he said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. I watched uh, with curiosity at first and then amazement uh, this week as NASA showed video footage of uh, Perseverance, they called it, good, good name, Perseverance, the rover that landed on planet Mars this week. That's the, the second rover that I know about, but, but as they begin to send images back and picture, you could log on and, and you could see these images that they've sent. Uh, you can go back through the history and see some other images that were sent and you can literally zoom in on 
planet Mars. You can take a look around. They, 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 landed, uh, they landed the lunar in a crater, and you can look out, and you can see the topography of the, the lunar landscape there. You can see this crater of Mars and, and look along the, the horizon and see the line in the sky. and, and just the, It looks like a big old beach. beach. That's about what it looks like with no water. With no water. But it was, it was still amaz- amazing to me. And, and from what I understand, you know, the real desire there is that they're looking for signs of life. They think that maybe uh, that they've, they've found that there's water there and they believe that water in the topography, that somewhere they say this was a, a lake at one point in time and it's dried up and, well, it just looks like a bunch of sand to me. But, but they say if water was there, then there's the possibility that life could be there. Isn't it amazing that we will travel through, through what would we call it? Space. Let's just call it, that's a great word, space. That we would travel through space to find life and not look right down the road. Some people, they've limited their lives to living in such a bubble, to living in such a limited environment here on earth. And their escape is to look beyond into the stars, to look beyond into worlds beyond that, that right now that they could be living more life right here. That's amazing to me. That surprises me. And, uh, and shocks me sometimes to see people push to get to other planets. And, and right now there's a big push on for for you know, rockets to go into the sky and people to be a part of that experience. And, you know, I just wonder, you know, what could we do with all that money right here on earth? Sometimes. I don't know. I'm a pretty practical guy, though. I'm not a great traveler. A little bit. I like to travel a little bit. But it's amazing to me that God looked, and that may be a sign. Here's, here's a sign for you. God looked past it all to here. If God picked here, you might as well just set up shop and get prepared to to live life right here. You say, you're so limited in your thinking. Yes. Not really. I am focused on another place. Just not one that we can get to right now. You see, if you think through it, God has his eye on us here and now. Why would he even bother? The world in its natural state isn't as important as to God as maybe what some of us would think it may be. But God, it's important to God because of what he created it for. It's important to God because of what it represents. Let's, let's just go back through history. Let's go back past time into eternity previous. And, and let's think about the heavenlies that God created and angelic beings that he created. And in those angelic beings, there was one that was found with, with iniquity. There was Lucifer, that angel that had been created to worship God. And he fell from heaven, the Bible says. The Bible says that there was pride found in him. He was the choir director for heaven, and and he decided that he wanted some of the glory for himself. And, And we know that God said he won't share his glory with another. That's why we're very intentional on bringing God, someone say, all the praise. We're intentional about giving him all the glory and all the worship because if there's somebody that decides that they're going to get in this pulpit or they're going to get on this platform and they're going to get a bit of credit, guess what? God says, can't live here. 
God says, I, I, I'll vacate until you're finished with your performance and then I'll show back up to do the work that only I can do because God said he's not going to share his glory with another. And our plan and our desire and our focus is that when we come into this room, we don't see people, we don't hear songs. All we are a part of is a worship experience that glorifies the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because his, this is what I know. We, do, we, we don't want to glorify one another. We just want to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords today. That would be our desire. That would be the hunger that we have. But the enemy, he goes about this, this work of iniquity, and we know that the enemy is not happy being alone, so he takes a third of the heavenly ranks with him, and they fall. Jesus told his disciples they came back and they were celebrating that the devils were subject to them through his name. And he said, look, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He said, I, I, yeah, so he already knew that the authority was his. He already, they were surprised because all of a sudden there was an authority that was greater. There was a power that was greater. That power that's working in this room this morning. And can I just remind somebody that, that the devil is still subject to that authority of the name. The enemy is still subject to the power of God's people. He doesn't have a, doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't have a moment when we begin to glorify the name of God. Then all of hell trembles. We have that authority, and we need to use it. So when Satan uh, works, he still works the way that he did in the angelic realm. He still brings division. He still brings confusion. His desire is still, still to see humanity fall. And so when <clears throat> Satan came about this creation called earth, and humanity was here, and Adam and Eve were given the command, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good, and evil, that he sees this command as his opportunity. That doorway of destruction for humanity was right there. All he had to do was entice them to disobey God. And he was a master at it, and, and uh, that's why he comes to Eve, and he begins to question what God has asked them to do, and he begins to kind of just entice them. And, and we know, because we're all here, that Eve and Adam, someone say and Adam, not just laying all the blame on her fell so they fell the the lust of the eye the lust of the flesh the pride of life what the desires were was exactly the way that the enemy worked and the way that he still works and the enemy could have thought at that moment it's about time to do a victory dance because he had just defeated God's creation he had just destroyed what God had worked to create but I like it when God inserts a, a, a little crux in the problem of the enemy's plan. God introduces in that moment that he already knew what the enemy was going to do. And that's why he had prepared the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And in that moment, God's plan of salvation and God's plan of redemption begins. The bloodline starts in that moment. The sacrifice that's offered to give Adam and Eve their coat so that they can live. 
the, the sacrifice takes the place of their death and they walk into purpose with God. They, they walk in sin. They walk in a place of fallen nature, but it begins to set the story up for God to begin the plan of redemption. And can I just remind us that, that Calvary is part of that redemption, but it's not it in its fulfillment that we are going to absolutely, utterly defeat the devil one day. He's going to be bound up and cast into the lake of fire, that place that's been prepared for him. If Satan had only known, he would never have shown up in the garden. If he'd only known what was going to happen, if he'd only known that there was a plan that God had ordained from the beginning of pre-time, then he would never have bothered with Adam and Eve, but he did. And now here we sit today as a product of God's great grace. And we sit today and we are a product of God's mercy. This is just a picture of God's grand design of deliverance for his people. We are a part of God's project to bring back restitution, to restore humanity to their rightful place with God. We have a hope that goes beyond the grave today because God had a plan of redemption for all of us. And I just wanted to talk about that for a moment because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. No matter what happens or what comes our way can we just remind one another it was all a part of God's plan God's not surprised where we are in 2021 God's not shocked at what's happening in our world right now he said oh if you only knew I'm looking at it from the end to the beginning I know where we're going I know how this is going to end up you're not going to be defeated but you're going to walk on to a place of victory we get to experience triumph that's the hope that we have it's part of God's grand design of deliverance today if the enemy had only known he never would have tempted he never would have came in that garden he he just would have kept on flying by I don't know what he was doing I don't know how he got around I'm gonna guess if he fell like lightning he still fallen but here's what I do know that the enemy will be defeated Isaiah 33 said woe to thee that spoilest and thou was not spoiled. You de dealest treacherously, and they deal not treacherously with thee. He said, sometimes you think that you just got the victory, that you're on the winning side. And he said, when thou shalt cease to spoil, thou shalt be spoiled. And when thou shalt make an end to deal treacherously, they shall deal treacherously with thee. He said, in the end of the story, when it seems like there isn't any restitution for the enemy, when it seems like sin is running with reckless abandon and having its own way, we just got to remind ourselves that when the end comes, we will be victorious. When the end comes, the devil will be defeated. When the end comes, the one that dealt treacherously is going to be dealt treacherously with. When the end comes, the one that spoiled is going to be spoiled. We have that hope today, and we have that self celebration that the enemy is going to be defeated now you know if you've been around here long enough for 20 almost 20 years now we don't go chasing devils they're real they're there sometimes we acknowledge it but in our experience you just trust God and leave that up to him but that's a real world out there and if you're not careful sometimes you can get focused on the enemy and not on the Redeemer. 
If you're not careful, you can get focused on the devil and not in the one that came to save you, the Savior. If you're not careful, you can get all zeroed in on the wrong focus. And, and God's saying, I, I, I didn't, that, that's all real out there. But get your gaze elevated because triumph and victory is going to be ours. Woe to thee that spoilest and thou wast not spoiled. You're going to be defeated after a little while. We just got to wait through a little while sometimes. So don't ever forget it. When we see the devastation and destruction, when we see men grappling for power and people living in fear, sin seeming to rule the day, running with reckless abandon, headlines that humble humanity, stories that celebrate sin, governments that can't govern society, and confusion that overcomes our minds. God has not forgotten this little blue and white ball in the middle of space. He chose it, and he said, that is mine. The earth is the Lord's. Don't forget it. Enemy, you may move around in this locale a little bit, but the earth is the Lord's. The owner's showing up and putting the run to you. The owner's, this is God's earth. This is God's world. Anybody a part of God's family today? I, I just want, I just want to, am I in God's church today? Is this people that have been purchased by his blood? Anybody want to lay claim to say, ah, you don't know who you're dealing with, devil. You don't know what you just stepped into. You, you may as well go back to the garden and have a refresher course on defeat because we're a part of the family of God. This is God's church and God's church is going to be triumphant. That is what I know. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It doesn't matter where you go in this world. You can go as far north as you can go. The furthest north that I've ever been is Alaska. I've been to Alaska for a camp meeting with Pastor a few years ago. He had said to me, you know, if there's any, ever any place that I'm going and you want to hop in, let me know. Well, I think you all know for the most part I didn't do that. Because I was here when he was gone. And happy to be here. Except when he was going to Alaska. I said, I may you going to Alaska? I may want to join you on that trip. I remember going back when we could fly. Remember those days? I remember uh, my iPad just shut down on me. I remember, <clears throat> I don't need it anyway. I remember, um, I remember flying into that. I can't remember where we flew into. But I remember the little planes being all around in the sky. I never saw so many small little planes flying all over the place because you can't get anywhere except by plane. And, uh, and then we took the, the road, the narrow roadway, and, and just absolutely beautiful. The streams that would run, run alongside a, of the, the highway and, uh, you know, had this blue-green color to the water. It was glacier runoff and looked cold but looked pretty. <clears throat> and uh, the lakes that would just kind of be collected from everybody, or not from, the, from all of the water that was being melting off the glacier. It's just absolutely beautiful. And, you know, I, I remember being there for all that, but the strongest memory that I have was the camp meeting that we were a part of. Because the topography was beautiful. The, all the landscape, it was just wonderful. And it's just, you know, got pictures of it. But, but the moment that was most impacting was gathering together with the people of God in that location. And then feeling God's presence begin to move and knowing that these pastors and these these saints were a part of what God was doing in the most northern part of our hemisphere. You can go as far north as you want to go, and God's working there. You could go south. You know, we've been to 
South America along with, how many have been on a trip to Guatemala? Anybody in the room? Some of you? I know that some of you have been. You could go south. That's as far south as I've been. But I remember going down and seeing the beautiful coffee plantations. I've never, I don't think I've ever ziplined here in North America, but decided that that may be fun down there. We were in Lake Atitlan, and there we were, ziplining. Somewhere out over top of the jungle canopy, I thought, I wonder what kind of quality control this zipline has before I float down to my death from some 500 feet in the air. Didn't know, you know, just dumb. So I do remember those things, but can I, can I just tell you that the most powerful part of that experience was gathering together with God's people and the church in Central Vida and watching what God was doing in that service, knowing that God was working in South America. Our great missionaries, Brad and Gina Thompson, Lynn Jewett, and all those beautiful things, but God's work was going forward. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You could go to the east. Had the privilege of going to Scotland. Went there with Pastor. The walled cathedrals. Monuments and city centers. The church was still the most important part of our trip. Because God was at work. Go further east to Asia. With the Shalms in Pakistan. We're in Malaysia for a preacher's conference, pastor's conference. We were, had the privilege of being in Singapore with, with Brother Willoughby. And, and I love Singapore. It's just the most amazing location. But there in Singapore, we had the privilege of being with Brother Willoughby and met with him in his living room there, prayed with him. Pastor Tim is a part of that week that we spent and we went to China. I got the opportunity to be with Pastor Jason. I, I remember the transit system and being in those streets and visiting the parks and different tourist locations, but I'll never forget being in that living room with the Curtises and that hushed church service that we had. And God's power moving and his spirit touching. No matter where you go in the world, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And no wonder God's call is on our church, not just for a local light, but God has challenged us to be a part of what he is doing all around the world because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. See, Brother Cisco, we have missionaries with us this morning preparing, just preparing to go to the field in Africa. But I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, Cisco, that the earth is the Lord's. And the work that you're accomplishing is in, it's a part of his vineyard. It's his field. You're his children. And we're so proud of you. And we're so grateful that you've been a part of our church. We love you, folks. We absolutely love you, folks. Now, I've not yet made it to Africa. I'm not inviting myself. He said, come on. But everywhere in the world that we would go, it may be amazing. But after a while, it's like Brother Stone King said, it's just another waterfall. It's just another group of trees. It's just 
another landmark. It's the church that matters. And as God accomplishes his work all around the world that we get to be a part of, we can remind ourselves that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And God is at work to redeem and reclaim his people. It's God's grand design of deliverance from the beginning all the way till now. And we are, you are, whether you're watching with us online, I don't know where our viewers are from this morning. I don't know where you're tuning in from. It could be all around the world. But here's what I know. You are a part of God's divine design of deliverance. As we come back to the music this morning. The earth still is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And God's call comes to us in that same chapter. Psalm 24, if we read on, it said, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? The question I have is, will it be you on this day, February 28th, 2021? Atlantic Standard Time, 12 noon. But do you have the ambition to ascend? Will the who be you this morning? Who shall ascend? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Is there is a desire, is there a hunger in your heart to be a part of his presence? And God gives us this instruction, he that hath clean hands. That's our outward life and a pure heart. That's our inward life. With not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Of all the signatures that our age and stage can lay claim to with all of our accomplishments and technology and Martian landings. I mean us there, not them here. There's one description I wish that could be scribed over the banner of our time. Not this is the most technological age we probably are. Not that we're the smartest age because we probably aren't. But simply this, this is the generation of them that seek him. To seek his face. That generation will have the privilege of entering into his presence, of being a part of God's manifest glory. That's what we want to be a part of today. That's what someone, I, I wish that was a, just, just sometimes declaring it, someone, you can make that a part of your desire. Something gets lit in your spirit, something just kind of, that, that hunger it, it won't go away. You just begin to long for his presence. You begin to desire, to desire to know him. You want to meet him in the prayer room. You want to get to know him through his word. You, you just got to get, get to be a part of what God is doing in your life. Would you stand together with me? Thank you for your kind attention this morning. And I thank God for his presence that I felt has already helped us today. But I want to be a part of that generation that chooses 
his presence. I got to remind Jack Lehman. We, we preached about it last week. You know, what are we really expecting? What are we anticipating God to do? Are we just kind of going through the motions and waiting, waiting our way through life and waiting for the promise to come? Or are we living with expectation of what God's going to do? We have the expectation of revival in our generation because that's in the word. We have the expectation of hope and whatever we're walking through this pandemic. We have a promise in the middle of the pandemic. God's not left us. He's not leaving us. God's here right now. But I want to get in his presence. Who shall ascend? I'm ready to make the trek. I'm ready to, to climb. I'm ready to get, come on, I'm ready to, to do whatever it takes to get into the manifest presence of God. I mentioned to the last service as I was beginning to close, I woke up with a simple song on my, on my mind. When I've run the last mile of the way, that's, that's what I thought it was. I looked it up. I had to look up. I didn't know the words. It's when I've gone the last mile of the way, I will rest at the close of the day. For I know there are joys awaiting when I've gone the last mile of the way. If I walk in the pathway of duty, if I work till the close of the day, Lord, I shall see the great king in his beauty when I've gone the last mile of the way. I don't want to quit before the last mile. I want to be a part of the people that are walking that last mile. And I want to make it a last mile like David did on that trek to Jerusalem as he was climbing the topography toward that great city. He was celebrating. He was rejoicing. He was desiring to be in God's presence. I, that's the way that we want to be a part of this last. If this is the end times, and I believe it is, if this is the last mile of the way, I don't want to quit now. We're almost there. Heaven is too close. Heaven's too real. I, I don't want to live beneath the privilege of the promise that God has prepared for his church. His grand design of deliverance includes that hope beyond here called heaven. I want to be a part of that. I think sometimes we're very comfortable in this generation. I pulled this songbook off my shelf. It's one that we got from Kathy's grandmother after she passed. Some of her belongings ended up in our possession, and this is one of them. It's very treasured. I was going through the song list there. Her and her husband would lead song service in their church, and I won't take the time to go through it all this morning, but on every little song service schedule that she had that, she, that they would have led in her handwriting, she would write the songs down on the page number. There was a song about heaven. Why? Because it was right there. It was too close to miss for them. Has anybody determined that heaven's going to be a part of your promise today? Anybody got your mind made up that, that as God proceeds with this grand design of deliverance that we are going all the way with Jesus? We're going home with him. From the garden all the way through the gates of glory, we can have the hope of being a part of God's grand design of deliverance this morning.
Would you pray together with me, Jesus? I feel your presence right now moving in this room. Lord, I would ask that you would challenge us today in this last mile of the way. God, not to quit, but that we would run the race with patience. God, that we would persevere. That we wouldn't quit. That God, when you come for your bride, that we would be a part of that people that have clean hands and pure hearts because we've cleansed our hands and purified our hearts. God, I ask that your conviction would rest on us today. Challenge us to change. Transform us to be more like you, I pray. God, as we leave this room, let your presence go with us. Let your word become a source of strength. Let our worship become a place of power and authority. God, we push back every design that the enemy has designed. No weapon formed against us will prosper. That's your promise today. And I ask that you would allow your people to live in victory. God, that we would walk until we receive the promise that you have prepared for us. I give you thanks. In your precious name, we ask these things. What if you just sing the chorus together with us? Here I am, Lord. Here. 